Three Times Lucky by Sheila Turnage. Chapter 7. Desperados. The colonel and I trudged toward home, the flip side of the cafe. Been thinking of installing a safety light back here, he muttered as we followed the gravel walkway through Miss Lana's dogwoods and daylilies. No, you haven't, I said, slipping my hand in his. Miss Lana wants a safety light. You said you'd be fricasseed in hell before you drown out the stars. We marched up the rounded steps to the porch. Didn't you leave your nightlight on, soldier? He asked, stopping by Miss Lana's pot of geraniums. I gulped. I always leave my Elvis light on, sir, I said. It's an eternal flame. Stay back, he replied, stiff-arming me against the wall. He eased my screen door open, his voice rising like a rusty hymn. In one motion, he flipped my light on and sprang inside. He yanked open my mahogany chiffon robe, dropped to his belly to peer under my bed, and then leaped into my bathroom. All clear, he barked, latching my windows. He grabbed my light light and thumped Elvis's head. Burned out, he muttered, tossing it aside. How fitting. He waved me in and deadbolted my porch door behind me. I followed him into our living room. As he checked for intruders, my eyes wandered to the photograph of Miss Lana and me during my baby days. In it, she sits on a perfect lawn, her skirt spread around her like a paper parasol as I present her with a dandelion. She is young and beautiful, and I am plump and adorable. The colonel locked the front door. Good thing Lana isn't here, he said. She was fond of Jesse. I could smell the garlic on his shirt. Are you scared, shoulder, soldier? I took a shaky breath. I was scared, but not for the reason he thought. I slid my hand in my pocket to the reward money and felt dizzy. If Attila Celeste remembered who she saw by Mr. Jesse's house, or if Skeeter blabbed, Dale could be in trouble, big trouble. I had to warn him. I'm not scared, I lied. Are you? A little, he said. Me too. I hesitated, staring toward my dark bedroom. I can leave my door open tonight if you'd like. That way I can hear you if you need me. I caught the flicker of a smile in his dark eyes. That might make me feel better, he said. Perhaps I'll sleep on the sofa. That way it'll be easy to find me if I call. Excellent, sir, I said, giving him a hug. In my room, I slipped into my night gear, black karate pants and an old t-shirt. I glanced at my phone and considered calling Miss Lana. I wanted her to come home, now. On the other hand, I didn't want to tell her about Mr. Jesse. I picked up a pen in volume six instead. Dear upstream mother, Mr. Jesse is dead. Even the colonel is scared. I wish you were here. We could make some tea and chat about Joe Starr and Dale and poor dead Mr. Jesse. We'd make a plan, and you'd sit and work crossword until I fell asleep. Everything would be normal for me. Sometimes I wish Miss Lana and the colonel were normal, but Lavender says normal is a relative term. Right? I said. What does that mean exactly? He said. It means you think your relatives are normal right up until you notice they're not. I even mentioned it to Miss Lana once out in the flower garden. I wish I had a normal family, I said very casual, pulling a handful of weeds. Normal means ordinary, Mo. The drab among us have that covered. I don't mean drab, I mean normal, I said. You know, parents that go to a regular job, come home to an actual house, maybe cart me around to soccer games. I wish the colonel was maybe a dentist like Anna Celeste's dad. She looked up from her iris. You want the colonel to put his hand in other people's mouths? she said, like I'd suggested him sticking his head in a lion's mouth. That's just an example. I'm saying we could be like people who live on a cul-de-sac just to try it and see if it fits. 
She sat back on her heels, her face smudged with dirt. I suppose we could live on a dead end if you really wanted to, sugar, she said. But consider this. If the colonel and I were Anna Celeste's parents, you would be Anna Celeste. I would still love you, but I wouldn't like you nearly so much. Right, I sighed. Being Anna Celeste would be a definite downside. There is a peculiar spin to Miss Lana's universe, but I admit it's a spin I miss. Please come find me. Love, Mo. The instant I heard the drum of Colonel's shower, I closed my notebook and called Dale. He answered, his sleepy hello muffled by shouts in the background. Hey, what's going on? <coughs> I demanded. Why is Miss Rose yelling? Is Star over there? Ain't nothing going on, he said. Daddy woke up, mean as a snake is all, and Lavender stomped out mad. Why would Star be here? He's investigating Mr. Jesse's murder, I said, easing into my bad news. So? So, you'll never guess who the prime suspect is. Who? Dale yawned. You. What? It's all over town. Attila Celeste saw you with Mr. Jesse's boat this afternoon, but she ain't identified you by name. Not yet. Don't say anything incriminating, I added. My line may be tapped. Stay out of town until I tell you different. I hung up as the colonel knocked at my door. Fan, soldier, he said, swinging a heavy black fan onto my desk. Haven't made it machinery this elegant since World War II, he clicked it on. I'm sorry Lana isn't here to comfort you, but perhaps the murmur of a breeze will help. She's the beauty, I told him. I meant it, too. Her heart-shaped feet rested on a pad of green felt, and her metal blades curved graceful as angel wings. Her patient back-and-forth hum sent a gentle breeze through my curtains, across my wrinkled sheets. Good night, soldier, the colonel said, resting his hand on my head, and he slipped from the room, leaving our door carefully ajar. Bump! The sound grabbed me by the scruff of my neck and shook me like a kitten, waking me from a deep sleep. What was that? A killer on the porch? Crack! A phone line being cut? Thud! It came from the window. Breathe, I told myself. Breathe. Snap! 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 I squinted at my clock. 3 a.m.? Already? I grabbed my baseball bat and tiptoed to the window. The shrubs swayed crazily. Tap, tap, tap. The killer? Mo! The killer rasped. It's me! Open the door! I pushed my curtain aside with the bat. Dale had chinned himself on my windowsill, revealing bloodless knuckles on the top half of his strained face. Open the door! He panted as his grip gave way and he fell into Miss Lana's gardenias. I flipped my lamp on, marched to my porch door, and pushed the deadbolt aside. Dale shot in, his face drawn. What am I going to do? he demanded, scrambling past me. They'll try me as an adult. I know they will, he said, his voice bitter. I'll get twenty years at least. I'll be... His eyes glazed over as he tried to add. Thirty-one? I guessed, locking the door behind him. Thirty-one, he wailed, sinking to the floor. That's almost dead. Calm down, I told him. Attila Celeste only remembers a boy with light hair and a dark shirt. Maybe black. She didn't say it was you. A black shirt? What am I going to do? Everybody knows I'm still mourning the crash at Daytona. He grabbed the hem of his Dale Earnhardt Memorial T-shirt and yanked it over his head, trying to hide the angry red smears across his rib cage. I used to think Dale was clumsy. Then I realized he only got clumsy when Mr. Mason took drunk. Black's all I got, he said. I scooped a white T-shirt off my chair and threw it to him. Thanks, he muttered, slipping it on and smoothing his hair. Mo, I swear I didn't kill Mr. Jesse, he said, his voice cracking. 
Of course not, I said, sitting cross-legged on the bed. What am I going to do? You're the smart one. Think of something. I took a deep breath. Calm down. We'll both think. He settled into my rocking chair, the one Miss Lana used to rock me to sleep in when I was a baby. We'll do like in science with Miss Retzel, I told him. Science, he moaned. I'm sunk. Remember what she told us. Define the problem, then solve it. Right, he said. So the problem is... The electric chair? Dale goes dense when he's scared. He can't help it. I shook my head. The problem is, stars headed down the wrong path, and you're standing at the end of it. I drummed my fingers against my knee. We could tell the colonel or Miss Rose about Mr. Jesse's boat. They could talk to Star. No, he said. Star don't trust the colonel, and Mama would kill me. That was true. Maybe Star will find the real murderer and get me off the hook. Possible, but not likely, I said. The colonel says cops can't figure out much of anything, and that's pretty much a quote. He frowned. And how come my folks practically got a guest suite at the jail? I decided to let that one go by. We only got one option, I said, leaning forward. We'll find Mr. Jesse's killer ourselves. Right, he said, his voice going sullen. Like we can out Detective Joe Starr? That's nuts, Mo. I'm doomed. It's not nuts, and you're not doomed. You're desperate is all. It's like Miss Lana says, desperation is the mother of invention. He looked at me, his face thoughtful. Who's the daddy? If Dale ever starts thinking in a straight line, he'll be a genius. We'll call ourselves the Desperado Detective Agency, I continued. I already got the case of the upstream mother in progress. We'll add on Mr. Jesse's murder. If there's a reward involved, we'll rent an office. Until then, we'll set up at the cafe. He nodded. Desperado detectives, he said, trying on the words. I like it. I grabbed volume six and an old putt-putt pencil from my might stand. We'll need clues, I said. What do we know about Mr. Jesse? He's dead, he said promptly. Dale has a nose for the obvious. Last person to see him alive? The killer? Before that? Oh, Dale said, his face falling. That would be me. Only, only... I looked up. Dale had gone a ghastly shade of pale. Are you all right? I asked. The window, he whispered, not moving his eyes. The hair on my arm stood up. I set my gaze drift I let my gaze drift to the right from Dale's terrified face to my window into the ice cold eyes of a stranger. I screamed. Dale screamed. I grabbed my Charleston snow globe and hurled it at the window. The man, round-faced, bald, jumped back as the glow bounced off the wall. I leaped to the center of my bed and went into my karate fighting stance. Dale, I shouted, up here. Why, he bellowed, galloping across the sheets to stand by my side. We'll go down fighting. Not me, he said, backing away. Dale exasperates me to tears. He hates fighting. I figure it's because his daddy... Fortunately, I'm a good enough scrapper for both of us most days. Hands up, I shouted. Dale raised his fist, looking awkward and scared. I peered at the window. Nothing. The wind rustled and Miss Lana's gardenias scraped against my window. Where's the colonel? Dale asked, his voice shaking. Asleep on the settee, I said, glancing at the door the colonel had left open for me. It was closed tight. My heart pounded so hard I went dizzy. Where was he? The colonel sleeps like a gnat. Colonel, I yelled, help. Silence. I grabbed Dale's arm. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? Probably not, he said, pulling away. I hardly ever am. The colonel must be wounded or dead. Let's get in there. See, he said, his eyes going glassy with fear. 
I'm not thinking anything like that. I'm thinking, run. He needs us, I said, leaping to the floor. I grabbed my little league bat and opened the door, slicing the living room dark with my room's soft glow. There he is, I whispered, pointing to the sheet-covered lump on the sofa. Colonel? I reached for the light switch. No, Dale whispered, knocking my hand away. With a killer outside, we're safer with it off. Everybody knows that. Colonel? He lay still as death. My mouth went Sahara dry. Wake him up, I whispered. Me? Dale gasped. I'm not good with the dead. You do it. Use the bat. I crept forward, my pulse pounding. I lifted the bat and bounced it off the arm of the sofa. The effect was electric. The body spun to face us, the moonlight playing on the high cheekbones, penciled in eyebrows, a wide open mouth set in a creamy white face. Clown! Dale shrieked. He ran squarely into the wall and crashed to the floor. Get up! I shouted as the body wheeled to point at us. Dale Earnhardt Johnson III, get up off that floor right this minute. Moses LeBeau, drop that bat. Both of you settle down. You're enough to wake the dead. Miss Lana, I gasped. Yes, dear. She reached beneath her pillow, pulled out a flimsy gray scarf, and deftly flipped it over her head. She switched on the lamp. Dang these curlers, she muttered, tucking strands of red hair beneath her scarf and patting them into place. The things I do to make myself beautiful for you people she teased, and you don't even act like you're glad to see me. Miss Lana, I cried, hurling myself into her warm, Noxima-scented arms. There's a killer at my window. Thank heavens you've come home.